Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Madagascar, all the way from Madagascar, our Ohio missionaries, Jim and Meg Thacker. Meg's down with the kids and uh, encouraging them with BGMC. And uh, so uh, Jim is going to come and share today. I do want to, as he comes, I just want to encourage you today. If God moves on your heart, make sure that you give a little extra to Jim today. You can even do that separately in an envelope on the other line. Uh, just write Thacker on there, T H A C K E R, or online. If you're giving online, just put in the other category, and uh, we'll be able to bless them with an extra gift today. But Jim, will you come and encourage us today? Welcome our Ohio missionary, Jim Thacker, today uh, to be with us. Thank you so much, Jim. God bless you. Meg wanted me to ask you if you would say something about her boot at the display. Yes, and uh, also they do have a display that's out there as well, along with a lot of goodies all the way from Madagascar that help support uh, them as missionaries. So make sure you stop by the table. You can grab their prayer card. Prayer is really, 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 really important, isn't it? Amen. Especially because as we learn in first service, they're in a very dark area, an area of spiritual darkness and witchcraft and all kinds of, of things that are going on. And so they need your prayers. So grab a prayer card, but they also need your financial support, and uh, there's some goodies on that table. You're going to want to make sure that you don't miss stopping by after service for that. So Jim, take it away. Encourage us today. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. It's a great honor to be here today with you at Painesville Assembly of God. Thank you, Pastor Aaron, your leadership for the invitation to come. We are Jim and Meg Thacker, and we are missionaries to Africa serving in the country of Madagascar. Some of you will be familiar with Madagascar because of the three animated movies, right? Madagascar 1, 2, and 3. And nothing in that movie says Madagascar more than a lemur. And we have lemurs back there on our display for you to see today uh, when you leave. Uh, We are grateful to be here. Madagascar is an island country. It is 250 miles off the southeast coast of Africa, uh, but we call it the Big Island because it's the second largest island country in the world. It's over a thousand miles long, so it's a very, very large island, and you'll get to learn a little bit more about that today. Madagascar is a extremely needy country, as according to the World Bank and the United Nations World Food Program, Madagascar is the one of the top three poorest countries in the world which is classified as having what is called extreme poverty. And that is because in the country of Madagascar, 76% of everyone who lives in the country, if they have a job and actually earn money, make less than $1.90 a day. That's the kind of poverty we have in the country of Madagascar. But it's also a very spiritually needy country as our people are bound by several demonic religions, one of them being animism, which is where the people worship the spirits of their dead ancestors through the medium and control of witch doctors. And also because of the negative influence of Islam, which is being spread throughout uh, Madagascar by Muslim groups and is growing very rapidly. So because of these things, Madagascar is a very spiritually dark place. 
where the vast majority of the people are spiritually lost and some of our people groups are totally unreached, unevangelized, and are, have no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ at all. God has called my wife Meg and I to address these needs through helping to raise up and train effective spiritual leaders to be equipped to be able to go to the unreached areas and do evangelism and then begin to plant the church of Jesus Christ there. As a result of this, in the last three and a half years, God has helped us to plant 22 new churches. And amen, give Jesus the glory, give him a clap. And some of them in the Muslim areas. So we're not waiting for the Muslims to come to us. We're taking Jesus Christ and his love to the Muslim people. And these new churches represent many lost people who are receiving Jesus Christ and their lives are being transformed. Uh, God is helping our ministry to make a difference in people's lives. But none of that would be possible if it was not for people and churches just like you who help us in three specific areas. One, uh, with new monthly cash support or increased support to help us be able to meet the increase in our work funding that we go through every time we come home like we have now. And also, uh, because we need your prayer. I like what Pastor Aaron said, and I believe it. Meg and I solicit your prayers because we believe that prayer moves the hand of God and God moves the world. So as God's people pray, great things can be accomplished to help expand and extend God's kingdom around the world. Through God's people praying, effective doors of ministry can be opened for us to accomplish His work. And as God's people pray, also then God can put His hands of protection around us from both physical and the people we work with, with both physical and spiritual dangers, which by the way, we face all the time. So that we want to thank you for praying for us. And on our display at the back of the foyer of the church, we have these cards. People know them as prayer cards, but we call them prayer reminders because their purpose is to remind you to pray for the Thacker family and their ministry. So we encourage you to take as many of these as you would like and put them places in your home, car, or in your office, or your prayer closet, wherever you like to pray. And as God brings you to our heart, please remember to pray for us and our ministry. One example of this happened right here in Ohio, in the city of Warren. My wife at one time when we were missionaries in Africa in the country of Burundi had been attacked by thieves. They came to our house, they were, they were uh, watching the house and when I had driven away, they came onto the property, five men with weapons, several rifles and handguns and they uh, knocked our little gardener down very easily, got into the house and my wife was very clever or very stupid, depending on which way you look at it. But she locked the door behind him so that he couldn't get out. And he had a gun and sitting there with my wife in the house. And uh, <clears throat> long story short, the man grabbed her by the throat and shoved her up against the wall and put the gun right in her face and said, now I'm going to do whatever I want to do to you. And there was a lady in Warren, Ohio, who was woken up by the Holy Spirit in the middle of the night and said, pray for Meg Thacker, she is in danger. And she began to pray. 
She didn't know what she was praying for or why. She just began to pray. And uh, my wife, you got to know my wife, she's as bold as a lion. But anyway, she told the guy, if you'll put your gun down, I'd be willing to get you some tea. And maybe we could sit down and talk together about what you're wanting. Well, the guy was so shocked by her response, he put the gun down and let her serve him some tea. And, and, while she, and anyway, long story short, while she was doing that, my wife was standing there trying to get the tea, trying to be, trying to calm the situation down, because what else can you do in a situation like that with the four other guys outside with their weapons too? And then the men began to get nervous because my wife handed him a glass of tea and his hand began to shake. And she asked him, what's wrong? He said, who's that behind you? And my wife turned around. There's nobody behind her, just a wall. Said, there's no one behind me. Oh, yes, there's a big man standing right behind you. And said, this was a trap, wasn't it? You set me up. And she, he said, what man is behind me? He said, I'm running. And the guy ran out, opened the door and ran away. And he told the other guys, run for your life. There's a big guy back there with a sword. And they ran off of our property and we're gone. This is a true story, Pastor Aaron. God sent an angel in the response to a lady in Warren who was praying for Meg Thacker. Thank you. Thank you so much for your prayers. And also, uh, on our display, we also have something. You know, when missionaries come to your church, they come and they share their vision, their burden of their heart, and they always have needs because it takes need, it's needs that drive what we do, and it takes money to meet those needs. So I have missionaries in that reason ask for money. But Meg and I decided when we started going to churches, we wanted to be known as the missionaries who not only asked you for money, and we will, but the missionaries who also give you money. So, ta-da, here we are. In my hand is currency from the country of Madagascar itself. This is a $200 RERI note. Our currency is called RERI. This is legal tender. This is not play money. If you come to my country, this spins. And so, we want you to know, as a way of reminding you to pray for the Thacker family, everyone's welcome to take one. There's no cost for these. It's just a thing to say thank you for supporting our ministry. So if you'd like one, please take it with you. As Meg and I like to say, we want to give you our two cents worth. Because actually, I'm, so, I'm such a giving person. These are actually worth about five cents to the US dollar. So I'm really being prosperous. I'm giving you the better part, five cents worth instead of two. And you can have one of those. If you'd like to, please take them with you when you go. They're also sitting on our display at the back of the church. Now, if you have your Bibles, oh, and oh, let me stop before I go farther. And oh, we not only need monthly support, and we not only need prayer support, but we also need cash offerings for our visionary church planting building project. So you see... Meg and I want to help the new churches that are being built to grow by raising the funds necessary to build what we call church tabernacles. Now, it cost us $7,500 to build one new church tabernacle that will seat 300 people. Now, I know none of you can put up a building that will seat 300 for $7,500, but our, pro our project is heavily subsidized. So, to realize this goal, we need your help help. We need visionary people like Gideon's visionary army of 300. In Judges chapter 7 verses 4 through 25, God surrounded Gideon 
with an army of 300 visionary supporters to help him bring deliverance and salvation to the nation of Israel. We are also asking for 300 visionary people and churches to join hands with us and our ministry by giving a one-time cash gift of $500 or more each, which goes to the 7,500 needed for each new church so that we can continue our vision of, bring, of training leaders who can bring evangelism, church planting, and spiritual transformation to the lives of the people of Africa. So will you please help Meg and I continue to build the church in Africa by supporting our ministry and by becoming one of the visionary 300. Thank you for allowing us to share that with you today. And now if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Romans chapter one, verses 16 and 17. Romans chapter one, verses 16 and 17. And I'll be reading, these are the words of the apostle Paul. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Pastor Aaron. Let's pray over our missionary today. Let's just pray God's hand over him and anointing. Father, we just thank you today, Lord, for the anointing of your word, and we pray for the anointing of your messenger today, Jim Thacker. We pray, Father, that you will touch Jim, you will anoint him, and Father, anoint our ears to hear, anoint our minds to understand, our hearts to receive, and our hands and our feet to be ready to apply and go, Lord, with what you put in Jim's heart today to share with us. Again, your anointing upon Jim. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. We are living, most certainly, in unprecedented times, aren't we? And what I have found in my short time being back in the United States is that people are searching to hear a message of hope that can give them an assurance of a better future and of positive life change. The Apostle Paul presents such a message of hope and positive change in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 when he declares, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Paul was not ashamed because he understood and knew from experience that the gospel has great power to give hope, to save, and to transform lives. In these same verses, Paul reveals to us three reasons for why the gospel is the power of God, which also helps us to understand why we need to engage in missions to help take this powerful message of hope and life change to everyone in the entire world. We're going to look at these three together today, and I want to begin by the first reason why the gospel is the power of God is because, as Paul says, it brings salvation. 
It brings salvation. My wife Meg and I have had the opportunity of ministering in many countries of the world, especially in Africa. And I can tell you with certainty that everywhere that the gospel is preached, people will be saved. And this happens because the gospel is so powerful, it draws or brings people to the realization of their need of Jesus and for his salvation. Amen. You can clap for that. That is powerful. And everywhere the gospel is preached, people's lives will also be transformed. The people of Madagascar and the country, the society, is in desperate need to have their lives and their society changed and transformed by the power of the gospel, which is evidenced by some of the facts I share today that in our country, underage children are being trafficked for prostitution and sexual exploitation. As a matter of fact, in our country, they have sex tourism there where men from Muslim countries come to have sex with underaged children. But that's not all. In our country, we have entire areas that are given over to lawlessness. These areas are called the red zones in Madagascar, and they are not talking about the coronavirus, I'll tell you that. And these areas are not completely under the control of the police or of the army, but are terrorized by thieves and bandits and desperados who are called the Dahalu. And the Dahalu only desire is to rob, to kill, to bring terror, strike terror in people's hearts, and they do also kill people as well. This is Madagascar's version, if you please, of organized crime. And uh, the people of Madagascar hate and fear the Dahalu. All you have to do is say that word, Dahalu, and people start to run in all directions. It's that drastic there. But I want to assure you of something today. But the gospel has such great power that it can even transform the lives of evil, wicked people like the Dahalu. And specifically, as it's told in the story of a man named Andu. Andu is a man from Madagascar who grew up in a very poor home and a very bad family life. In the area he lived, the, the Halu were operating. And he actually admired them because one, they had possessions. Two, they had power. And three, they had influence over other people. And Andu decided that he wanted to be like them. So he joined the Dahalu and became a thief, a very good one, and a very dangerous man, just like all the rest. He rose through the ranks, got up to positions of, of leadership. And, uh, but the people of, the local people are so uh, devastated by the Dahalu that they constantly are driving the police and the army, please do something to stop these people because they take over an area. We have entire areas of our country that are not under the control of the government at all. They're under the control of the Dahalu. And so they decided one day, the army and the police together to do what we would call a sting operation. And they lowered the net because this one area, the people were terrorizing and stealing and raping and killing all the people they could. So finally... The police and the army set this sting operation. And when the net was closed, Andu, who was leading the group in that area, 
was caught. Andu was put in prison. But when they took him to prison, the other prisoners would have nothing to do with him because he was Dalu. You only, that word strikes fear in everybody's heart there. So Andu was in like, he was like in confinement even though he wasn't, just because nobody would talk to him. Well, as God would have it, one of the students, these leaders who graduated from one of our schools went and was planted a church and was pastoring in the area where the prison was. So he started doing prison ministry inside that prison and he found Andu by himself. So he began to try to build a relationship with him to share the love of God, to share that Jesus wanted to save him. But Andu told the pastor, you're wasting your time on me. I'm Dahalu. That was all he had to say. I'm Dahalu. But our pastor knew that the gospel has such great power that even it can change people like the Dahalu. So he kept witnessing to Andu. He kept sharing the story of Jesus. He kept showing him love and compassion. And quite honestly, the pastor would listen to him. Why? Because he had no one else to talk to anyway. So he listened. And over a process of time, Andu, the Holy Spirit began to break down the hardness in Andu's heart. And then one day, Andu committed his life to Jesus Christ. When Andu got saved, his life was radically transformed with the same energy that he used to rob and steal and kill and rape people. Now he wanted to tell everyone what Jesus had done to change his life. But Andu was not very good at being gentle. In fact, Andu was the extreme opposite of gentle. So when he tried to tell the other prisoners, they were so scared of him that they told the warden, you got to get this guy out of here. He's more dangerous now as a Christian than he was before. The wardens went to the bows above him and they decided to let Andu go from prison. But we are told that the reason they let Andu go is because the people who run the prisons know that Dahalu never change. So if they let him go, he will lead them back to where all the other Dahalu leaders are and maybe they could capture them, surround them and kill them all off at one time. So they let him go. But uh, Andu surprised them. He didn't go back to the Dahalu leaders. You know where he went? He came to the Bible school that I direct. And he began to say, Pastor, teach me how to evangelize people without scaring them to death. Please help me to know how to disciple believers, how to plant a church. I want to go and plant a church and help people instead of hurt people. And he studied for three years at our school. And on the day of graduation, the government could not believe that a Dahalu would ever go to Bible school and that a Dahalu could ever really be a follower of Jesus. So they came, the Department of Corrections for our whole country came, the minister of the Department of Corrections came to the graduation and one of their leaders spoke that day and they looked at Andu and said, this is the power of our reforms in the prison system. Everybody laughed just like you did because they knew. (laughs) No, that was not your reforms. That was the power in the name of Jesus Christ. And that was the power of the gospel that can save and transform lives. And I'm here to tell you, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, no matter how bad a person may be, there is no one beyond the life-changing power of God. The gospel is so powerful, it can trans- if it could transform Andu's life, 
it can transfer people right here in Painesville and Lake County and all the other community mentoring around in Chardon. God can transform people's lives. That is the power of the gospel. But not only does it bring people to salvation, the gospel is the power of God because it can save everyone, everyone who believes. Our Bible tells us that God loves everyone and wants everyone to be saved who will believe. In fact, the gospel is so powerful that it can make this possible. The truth is, as Paul confirms in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, that it is God our Savior who wants all people, repeat after me, all people. God wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But for everyone in the entire world to have an opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ to be saved, then the gospel must go to everyone. The gospel must be preached to the unreached people groups of the world. And it is possible for that to be done because the gospel can save everyone who believes. Jesus Christ himself made this extremely clear when he said in the Great Commission text of Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, and also in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, that it's God's intentional plan that the gospel of Jesus Christ go to the entire world, to every tribe and every nation, and especially to the unreached people groups of the world. And I want you to know this. According to the Joshua Project, Madagascar has 10 unreached people groups. Now, these are people, these are people groups who are unreached because the gospel has not yet been preached to them. They are unreached because they have no access to the gospel. These are people who cannot call on the name of Jesus to be saved because they have never heard the name of Jesus for the first time. Jesus wants us to go to them. And God wants the church to do everything it can to prioritize taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are unreached and unevangelized and have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something today. We can reach the unreached if we do it together. I'll explain what I mean by a story. One of the five schools that we have, and this school I do not operate, it's called a church planner training school. I help to facilitate it, I do not operate it. And that school is there to help prepare uh, workers to go into the unreached areas of Madagascar and plant, evangelize and plant the church there, doing it through, if, ne if necessary, into a different tribe in a cross-cultural context and different language if it is necessary, but to make Jesus known in these unreached areas. And there are a reason why we have 10 unreached tribes. That's a lot of tribes, by the way, to be unreached. But Madagascar has very, we are very isolated, many of our geographically isolated areas that it's extremely difficult to get to. Let me tell you, the last unreached people groups in the world 
is hard to reach because the easy ones were already taken. <laughs> the easy ones people already went to. It's the ones that are left that are hard to get to and hard to reach or they don't, they're resistant to the gospel. They don't want to hear about Jesus. That's why it's hard to go to them and reach them. But we had a student who graduated from the school. His name was Pastor Nestor, and he's my kind of guy. In fact, I like to call him special operations forces in the spirit kind of guy. And the reason I resonate with him is because I was a special forces myself at the end of Vietnam, and I served 16 years in special forces. And uh, I just like his spirit because he told the the leaders at graduation, I want to go to a very difficult place. I want to go to where the people are resistant to the gospel. And his last request was, I'd want to go where... As far as we know, no one has ever preached to this group of people before. Well, be careful what you ask for. God answered his request, and he took off to go to an, an area in northeastern Madagascar in the, near the Sava region where it's very remote and primitive. And uh, he had to go by. He went as far as he could go with him, his wife, and his baby son. They went as far as they could by road. And when the road, there was no road left to go on, they put them on bicycles and had people carrying their stuff. They went on bicycle as long as they could until the mountain ranges became too steep. And then they had to walk through the interior for three days to get to where they come. I tell you, that makes that verse make a lot of sense in Isaiah, right? And also in Romans chapter 9, how beautiful are the feet of those, 10, Romans chapter, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Pastor Nestor went into this area and began to preach the gospel. Over a process of time, some of the children began to receive Jesus Christ. And then through the children's influence, mothers came, and then over time, some of the mothers began to receive Jesus. When the chief was told of this, he sent a messenger to Pastor Nestor, and he told him, this is what's going to happen. We never invited you here. We do not want you here. We do not want your message. So if you do not leave, we're asking you to leave now. But if you do not leave, then you are taking your life into your own hands. Pastor Nestor told the messenger, he said, well, I have to tell you, a higher authority than your chief asked me to come here. And I can't leave here until he tells me to go. So go tell your chief, he understands authority. Go tell your chief, I cannot leave because the highest authority hasn't asked me to. So this messenger went back and told the chief. And then Pastor Nestor kept reaching in the community, sharing the love of Jesus, trying to find ways to make Christ known, preaching the gospel. And then on the, a day, the day came when the first man in the tribe accepted Jesus. And that was for the chief, the last straw. So he called his warriors, because this is a warrior race. These are people who are extremely resistant to the gospel for centuries. They don't want the gospel, never wanted the gospel. They're animus. They worship the spirits of their dead dead ancestors. They're bound by demonic spirits of all kinds. And so he told his warriors, go out and dispatch Pastor Nestor, his son, and his wife. He warned them, and they would not pay attention. Now let's make an example of them so that nobody else will want to come back. One of the wives heard what was going to be done and told her daughter, run quickly to Pastor Nestor and his family and tell him to leave, run for your lives and go, go, just get away from here while you can. I've actually interviewed Pastor Nestor twice on this story to make sure I got all the facts straight. Pastor Nestor told me that I was not afraid to die. He said, before Jesus saved me, I was dead and Jesus gave me life. 
So no matter what they do to me, I'm still going to be alive eternally. So they can't kill me, no matter what they do. I can die, but I'll live forever. But he said, I am concerned, I was concerned, he said, for my wife and for my son. So he prayed and asked God, what do you want me to do? Should I leave or should I stay? And the Holy Spirit gave him this idea. This is what I want you to do. When the warriors come, and they are going to come, when they get about as far as where this good-looking lady and man are sitting there together with the glasses just right there in the front, when they get that close to about there, raise your hand and just say, in the name of Jesus. Do not say one more word or less. Just say that. He said, okay. And then Pastor Nestor with his wife behind him and his son in their arms, the crowd started coming and the warriors in the front with their weapons. And when they got about right where you are standing, he raised his hand and I'm sure there was a lot of emotion surging through him at this moment when he was doing this. And he said, in the name of Jesus. And it's just like God freeze dried those warriors. They froze in spot and couldn't move. They could not move. And then the next thing, their hands opened up and all of their weapons fell out of their hands. And then one by one, boom, boom, boom. It's like somebody's just pushing them over. Boom, 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 boom. They started falling down all over the place. When the people, the crowd behind, saw what happened to their best warriors, they got scared. Their eyes got big and they ran for their lives because they thought, whoever did that to the war, we're next in line. Let's get out of here while we can go. And they ran away. When the chief was told the story, he called Pastor Nestor in. Pastor Nestor went in there and he said, I perceive that your God is more powerful than our ancestors and more powerful than my soldiers. Hallelujah. He said, I'll allow you to stay in our community and preach your message under two conditions. One, pray that your God will not knock me down like he did my warriors. And two, pray for our people and our villages and our tribe. Because if our people are going to begin to turn away from worshiping our ancestors, the ancestors will be angry and they will curse us and they will attack us because animism is a religion of fear, a great fear. So pray for us. And if your God is that strong, we pray he'll protect us. And pastor said, my God can supply all of your needs. And he prayed for them. Today, we have a church of over 300 people in an area where the gospel has never gone before. The gospel is the power of God because it can save everyone who believes. Whether they are resistant to the gospel, whether they're an atheist, whether they are a hater, I don't care who they are. Even those who have never heard, God can send the gospel because the gospel is so powerful. It can save everyone who believes. It can save everyone who believes. And I'm only going to give you just a little from my third point because we're running out of time today. And I know we're being, uh, uh, we're, we're airing, uh, doing uh, online airing. So thirdly, the gospel is the power of God because in it, the righteousness from God is revealed. In it, the righteousness from God is revealed. As Paul says in verse 17, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. 
Paul tells us that because of the power of the gospel, those who are saved by faith are also brought into right relationship with God through receiving the righteousness of God. But the Bible tells us that we did not earn our own salvation, nor the righteousness of God by just trying to be a good person or striving to keep the works of the law. Rather, it was provided for us when Jesus, who was without sin, himself set us free from our sin and guilt when he took our sin and punishment upon himself. And he paid the ultimate price when he died for our sins by the shedding of his own blood when he died on the cross for us. That's where that righteousness of God comes from. Yes, give God the glory, glory to his name. And I say this to you, that this righteousness of God can only be received by faith in Jesus Christ alone. When we were ministering in the country of La Reunion, which is just off the coast of Madagascar, there was a lady there named Carice. Carice was raised in a church in her country that taught her she had to do good works to be saved. And she was feeling very depressed because no matter what she did, those good works didn't seem to bring any peace to her heart, to her life. She felt like nothing she did was good enough. It didn't measure up. And she was just so depressed, she didn't know where to turn. They'd asked us to go into the city, it's the, 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 one of the major cities in that country, and preach a five-night open-air evangelistic meeting. This is a most beautiful, one of the most exciting experiences of my lifetime, Pastor Aaron. And here it was, right in the center of the downtown at night, holding a citywide open-air evangelism. And they had the largest canopy. It wasn't a tent. It was the largest canopy I've ever seen in my life. They had erected there, and it was provided by the city, not by the church. And it could hold over a 1,000 people easily under that canopy. And every night, we went in there and began to preach the gospel and uh, the pastor told us, because this island, La Reunion is actually a state of France, just like Ohio is a state of the United States. So it's actually a lot of French influence, French people there. And they're not, he pastor said, these people are not interested in the gospel. But go ahead and preach anyway. I thought, wow, that's a way to encourage a preacher right there. And, uh, and I told him, I said, well, we'll just leave it up to God because the gospel is powerful. Let's just see what God will do. So every night I was preaching on the love of God. I was preaching on the salvation in Jesus' name. And every night over 50, and I, I was pretty amazed. Every night people, and these people don't come forward. I mean, that's just not a French thing, okay? Every night I gave an altar call. I told them, they said, don't ask people to come forward. Oh, yeah, let me just do what I do, okay? Okay. So I asked them to come forward. Every night 50 or more people were coming forward to confess their sins and ask Jesus to become their personal Savior every night every night. And then on the last night, we had a healing service. Pastor Aaron, I haven't seen the power of God move like that, I don't think, in my entire life before. This meeting, we prayed, we preached. I asked people to come forward to get saved. Then we asked for people to come forward to be healed, and it just kept going on and on. People were driving. The, the place where we were preaching was in the center of the city, and there were highways are literally right beside us on all sides People were pulling off the streets as they were driving by hearing because these guys had massive amplification speakers, big ones. They were, I bet the whole city heard what was going on. And the cars were pulling off into the parking lot to come forward to be prayed for. People who were never there just shut, pulling in and being prayed for. Two and a half hours after we praying for salvation, people were still coming. 
to be saved and to be healed. There was a man, a boy, who was the son of Caris, and he was driving his mother home that night, and they were passing by the tent. And when he heard the preaching, something inside of him compelled him, drive and park in. Your mother needs help. And these people, you can tell by the volume, they know how to pray. So bring them in. I don't know what volume has to do with anything. But anyway, bring, they got volume. Bring her in. So he pulled his car in and he took his mother, Carice, to the front. And he told the man, we had so many people. There were thousands. I mean, I don't know how many people were being prayed for. I have no clue. No way you could pray for them all. We had pastors there helping us. And they were laying hands. One of the pastors laid hands on Carice. They didn't know the story. We didn't know the story. And they prayed for her. That night, Carice accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior and Lord. That was because in her that night, a righteousness from God was revealed to her. And that is a righteousness which is by faith. She received Jesus as her Savior and received the grace of God. And many of you may not know the word carice, carice is French, which means grace. So that night, grace found true grace through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And God healed her that night of the depression. So as we close this day, I just want to say to you, like the words of the Apostle Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. God bless you, Pastor Aaron. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's the power of God to salvation. Amen? Amen. Perhaps you're here today and you need to receive Christ as Savior. You need salvation today. Something resonated. As our missionary Jim was sharing, something resonated in your heart and the Holy Spirit has begun to move and you recognize that it's not about good works, but it's about the righteousness of Christ. It's the power of God and you need the power of God to bring true transformation and salvation in your life. Like Andu, whose life was completely transformed by the gospel, perhaps today you say, I've tried everything. I am locked. I am bound, but I am in need of salvation. Maybe you're watching online, and this is for you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you for wherever you're at right now, and you need to receive salvation. Let's do that by faith today. If that's you, will you slip up your hand? Pastor, I need salvation. Pastor, I need to commit my life to Jesus. Maybe you need to recommit your life to Jesus. Come on, thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's pray together right now. If you raise your hand, pray with me right now. Dear Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I'm tired of doing it my way. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask you to set me free, to come into my life and to save me. I invite you into my life, Jesus. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, will you stand today? Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's Word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.